Hello and welcome to StarkCast. I'm Joe Stark, and today I am talking with my good friend Dan Hepner. What's up, dude? Hey, good to be back. How you been, man? Ah, I've been great. I've been great. Uh, saw you not too long ago at C2E2. That was a fucking blast this year. Yeah, it was good to see everybody again. It's been a couple years. Has it, has it actually been? It's actually been two years, right? Yes. Yeah, because it was February 2020 and then July or August 2022. So it was over two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever time vortex we've been in for the last, how apparently two, it's two and a half, almost three years, but feels like 30. <laughs> I kept my, my ongoing streak uh, up to date also of you being like one of the very first people I run into when I get there as well. Uh, Is that true? Yeah, almost every year you've been one of the first people that I've run into there. <laughs> now, uh, now, are we counting the year where you saw me melting down in the car? Still counts. I've <laughs> uh, no, no, no. <laughs> gotten there, yeah, but you know, fair enough, fair but, play. But I'm pretty sure that, that once we both arrived there, I think you had actually got there before us, and I'm pretty sure I still talked to you first when we got there. It's entirely possible. I mean, I don't know what your pathing was is any of these times, but it is. It's, it's funny that like you see me like one of the first people every time. That's weird. Yeah, I know. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the the universe can't keep us apart forever, man. <laughs> it can't keep us apart. <laughs> oh, so how are things going on the the leftover? I'm, I'm, I'll fuck up the name, so you you say the name of the podcast. No, no, no. Please, fuck it up. <laughs> uh, what, okay. Um, uh, well, you put me on the spot like this, you prick. You're uh, damn right. <laughs> uh, is it Leftover Army Monsters? That's close enough. That's all, that's, all, out, I, all Out Attack, Giant... Something... There's a giant podcast in there, too. Yeah, it's Leftover Army Monsters, Giant Podcast, All Out Attack. I was really fucking close this time. I said it super confidently and super wrong in the past. (laughs) (laughs) Each time I get a little closer. Yeah, each time we get a little closer. And by the time you get it right, we'll have ended the podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) Fuck it, I'll take it. Things are all right. Uh, we're taking a little break. Uh, a couple of people got a couple things going on. You know, uh, Amanda's dog recently passed away, which is really sad. So she's feeling pretty down about that. Marables between family and, you know, we've all been seeing on the Army page him getting his new his basement uh, put together and everything finally. So, you know, everybody's got some stuff going on. So taking a short little break here and we just recently kind of dropped back to every other week as opposed to every week, mostly because we're starting to hit the bottom of the barrel here. <laughs> There's you- only so much that exists, and, like, we're not going to do, like, every single season of Ultraman or every Power Ranger season or Common Rider, because for each one of those three, there's, like, 50. Oh, shit. <laughs> And that's a lot of watching. I haven't seen all that stuff myself, so, you know, uh, but, you know, we have a lot of shows left to do. We are, we still do have some Ultraman, some Kamen Rider, some Power Rangers, and a few other shows to kind of get through here. Uh, but obviously those, you know, and we usually, for the most part, don't watch an entire season, like the whole thing. I, you know, cherry pick episodes based on importance or, uh, 
someone else who's a bit more knowledgeable and has seen them multiple times grading it for me. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So, based off that, but, you know, it, it's all dependent on how many episodes are kind of really important or whatever. So, it takes longer to watch, obviously. It's not just sit down for two hours, watch a movie the day before and get ready to record it, right? So, it takes a while and wanna, don't want to burn everybody out on it and whatnot. So, you know, we're going a little slow on it right now and slowing down a bit because there's also some other stuff that uh, either has yet to come out or just came out but not accessible here yet. You know, uh, back in what was it, July or something, Shin Ultraman released in Japanese theaters. And it's actually going to be here um, in October uh, for the uh, Chicago Film Festival. They're showing it. Uh, so I'm going to go check that out. But, you know, like, it's not readily accessible over here stateside yet. Uh, the new Thai movie, The Lake, just came out, like, last week. Obviously not accessible here yet. So, you know, kind of letting things build up a little bit so we have, so we can actually get to some of these things. And hopefully they're accessible by the time it's like, well, this is all that's left. <laughs> and things like, you know, the the monsterverse tv show for apple tv plus and they had announced that they the monsterverse is going to continue with another godzilla versus godzilla and kong movie so you know that's going to take a few years okay well right on so you've still got a few years of content ahead of you hopefully uh i mean we're i don't have too many things currently but things are always kind of coming up and popping up or I'm being reminded of something that I completely forgot existed or certain things that I didn't know existed, you know, that uh, I get to add on to the list here. And, you know, there will be soon enough a discussion about, okay, so what do I now allow in onto the show that I previously said, no, here's the line. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. You got to go back to the bucket (laughs) and be like, all right, which one of these is actually worthy if I just want to keep this going? Yeah, because I mean, like, you know, there's certain things you kind of have to figure out. And actually, this actually randomly moves into a tangent that I kind of want to randomly get your thoughts on everything. Because I've talked with several other people about this in the past. And it's just been kind of fresh on my mind again for a couple different reasons. But, like, one of the things we'll have to talk about is, and decide whether or not it'll be covered on the show eventually, is the Jurassic franchise. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, because they're there's a lot of back and forth right because we have covered plenty of movies that are they're just dinosaurs but you know it was they were stop motion or they were suitmation something other than mostly or purely cgi and it's not that i it's not that oh it has to be practical effects but it is a matter of like there's certain lines and like it gets very gray around something like the jurassic park franchise but, like, I felt like, at least, like, again, initially, until we had to have this conversation, I had to make a firm stance on it and put it as no, because it ends up, it'll eventually end up opening the door to a million other things, right? It's like, you know, do I, you know, like, what about Aliens or the Predator franchise, things like that, right? Like, what's an alien? What's a monster? What's a, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion to be had about that. <laughs> I never considered the the slippery slope argument for kaiju films. 
You do. (laughs) (laughs) Probably with a good reason, because who the fuck cares? But few have ventured that road. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, only only other idiots that do a podcast about this stuff like I do, and a lot of them have caved on this stuff. Also, they don't release a up till now weekly schedule. They were like once a month or something like that. So you know, I've. I've made it more challenging to myself or just happened to cross that bridge much earlier than a lot of other people had to in the lifetime of their shows. Once a month. What are they, a fucking comic book? Right. <laughs> I mean, but it makes sense, right? Because, like, you know, the, the most the previously within the community, the most famous one, the Kaiju cast, they went for 10 years before calling it quits. Well, that's pretty impressive. And again, because, like, they did once a month. Nah, when I first started Startcast, that was my intention with that was to just do an episode once a month, and and because at the time I was like, I don't, I don't have, I don't have time. It's it's gonna take forever. You gotta record the things. That's a big chunk of time. You gotta edit the thing. And back in those days, it was hard to edit. <clears throat> and how, how and, much? And now look at me. Now do? I do three podcasts a week. Sometimes <laughs> it's or like know, you, right? it's like you dumbass. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> Yeah, but like you know, PCL, you're not editing it or anything, so you're no, not it, it about is that. it is so much easier to just be a a you know a, a guest co-host on a show than it Gee, is to. I, I I wonder if I know that feeling. <laughs> I wonder if I understand that too. Hence why I like going on to other people's shows because I don't have to care no about it at all. Well, and especially with leftover army monsters, you put so much work into those with like the the breakdown that you do at the beginning and and all the. You know, the facts and stuff that you have on the film, you can tell that you put a lot of work into it. I appreciate that people, a lot of people do tend to at least like acknowledge and see the like, I do put a lot of effort into it. And it's not just, you know, putting down the uh, breakdown or, you know, I don't always do plot. I do plot summaries a lot less than I used to. I used to write my own every time, which was just becoming too much. But, you know, having the intro having it different every time, coming up with funny intros for everybody that's going on the show each week and everything. And then I do go back and edit the entire episode, start to finish. I re-listen to the entire raw footage. So, and it's just removing dead space, ums, pauses, breaths, making everybody sound a bit smarter than we all actually are. Then <laughs> that's a tremendous amount of work when you go to that level of depth on on editing a podcast cuz you know, I, I've done those in the past, like uh, the episode I recorded with my grandpa, like I, I, I edited out, you know, all the, the ambient old man noises that were in the room, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> the talking in the middle of it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I was like, I want, I want grandpa to shine in this. I'm going to edit out all that stuff. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like I want everybody to, to sound good coming out of it. And- <laughs> For sure. And I, you know, and not to any of my guests who have been on there and anything, but you know, some make jokes about it off air or whatever. But like, they people tend to know who they are when it's like some some guests we have on take a lot more editing than other ones. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's that's nothing, not, not a slight against them or anything. It's just a simple observational fact, <laughs> you know. I, I there are some guests that it takes a bit longer. The general rule of thumb for me is that. If, let's say, I have an hour and a half of footage, I have 90 minutes of raw audio, it'll be about three hours of time a week for me to go through and edit everything. So I'm not sitting down and doing it all at once. I'll go mad from that. (laughs) But, you know, three hours and that 
90 minutes will probably cut down to about 70, 75 or so. Wow. Did, did you ever do the, it, that one method where you'd have everybody record their own end and then you'd try and splice them all together to have like the best audio? No, I we almost did once and then I just went, you know what, this was way too much effort. Because like I did, I, everybody did record their own and I just recorded here off of Skype just in case. And I just like, after two hours of trying to just even get started in the process, I'm like trying to figure out how to sync everything up and like trying to get it all precise and everything and then trying to like, oh, no, it was it was too too goddamn much i'm like nope nope not doing this well and they never sync up quite right either it's like you could you could have like an an audible like clacking sound at the beginning of everybody's recording (laughs) you know and like we all hit record on the clack and by the end of that you know two hour recording or something somebody's gonna be telling a joke and in the middle of the joke somebody else is gonna start laughing because now the time stuff doesn't line up it it got so annoying with doing that that it actually made me like upgrade all my equipment to where I got like a mixer and an actual recorder and shit like that because it was driving me fucking crazy. Yeah, it's it can be rough. And that was the thing, right? Like I was having that like it's not they're not syncing up God Fuck <laughs> Exactly. Screw <laughs> it, whatever. Where it's like, okay, now I'm gonna trim this one in the middle and move this portion and I'm gonna go back and listen to this audio portion of it, make sure it lines up. It was just too much work. And yeah, because I do all that process already, and it's just one audio file with all of us on it, right? So it's like I don't want to have to like cross reference and resplice and reconnect. Like, no, that's way too much. I already put too much <laughs> fucking effort into this as is. Yeah, dumb, absolutely. For a dumb show about monster movies. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, having decent audio does it can make or break a show sometimes. Where if something's like a really poor you know audio quality it's it makes it tough to listen to so there's definitely a a line to walk there i you know you you can go back and listen to early episodes of this you know especially throughout like the first 50 or so and it really runs the gamut on audio quality as i try different that all the time too but like yeah all any of our podcasts in the army has that issue to some degree right because like not everybody has professional like a mic and a stand a mixer or whatever right so oh for sure it's it's always going to be a mishmash of this and that and i feel like for the most part a lot of us just kind of go with it now i because again like i i've considered in the past trying to like isolate background noise from this person's and then trying to like filter that through anytime they're talking but again like it was just becoming way too much work and i'm like it's not it's not worth it trying to match audio levels and denoising i'm like this is not worth it at all (laughs) yep it's it's kind of funny and that's the one of the sides of podcasting where it really starts to feel like a job when you're all of a sudden spending hours a week like editing something and it's like all right now really doing this for the love of the game because you know if you're if you're just doing it as a hobby and you're not making any money off it you know that's just Mm -hmm. like you better love doing it and that's probably why there's so many podcasts that barely make it past 10 episodes is because yeah you get about 10 weeks or so into something and you're like god damn this is we got to coordinate schedules we got to actually get time to to get together and if it's a review show you gotta make sure everybody's fucking watched it and oh, yeah. you know when, when when does that stop being fun? Because it's gonna happen. 
I mean, we've been I've been lucky that like nobody's really had a massive issue with it on our show up to this point. I mean, you know, who knows what the future holds, right? For all I know, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, like it's we've kept it at least as much as possible in terms of like relatively simple. Now there have certainly been times where like. I assumed a movie was going to be relatively easy to find and didn't look up like the week before to like figure it out. And then it was a real problem. There have been more than one occasion where like we can only find this movie in its native language and with either like Thai or Spanish subtitles for a Japanese <laughs> movie a lot of the times. So I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> that's a, you're just going to get a cultural experience watching that movie. You're not going to really know anything that's going on unless you can read Thai or speak Japanese, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had a couple that have been way more difficult than I would have expected. Uh, <laughs> a couple that were – a couple early on, there were a couple where, like, we just couldn't find it anywhere. And – but, like, I had an old – rip a torrent of it from like way back in the day from like 15 years ago or whatever right so 15 years ago or whatever the statute of limitations is whatever it is. <laughs> i mean look my mindset back then and still mine to this day is that i'm willing to for me personally now for the rest of the crew that's their discretion or whatever but like i usually try to if it's something that i can rent somewhere or legally purchased somewhere i'm more than happy to spend the money on it you know supporting the craft supporting the genre support the artist kind of thing right i'm big on that but if you don't have it accessible anywhere and there's no legitimate legal way to obtain it then it's open game like i don't (laughs) we're going dark (laughs) yeah because seriously like it's it i shouldn't have to be, I shouldn't deprive. I don't believe in depriving myself of seeing something that I'm interested in simply because there's not a legitimate way to watch it without torrenting it or gray market site for a bootleg DVD or Blu-ray or whatever, right? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. It's like, hey, there's demand for your product. Why won't you supply it? Well, and especially like Toho, for example, they for a long time were very 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 bad at this stuff of like international releasing making sure things were accessible now in some cases it's an issue of like the rights are tied up in a very odd place but like in international distribution rights soho obviously owns all their own godzilla so but in particular things like godzilla or zone fighter for example a lot of this stuff has been that like they released one DVD of it back in like 2006, and until the Criterion Collection came out, had not released it since. And so it was like 10 plus years of like it was a limited DVD release by like Sony or TriStar, and you go online to like try to get it on Amazon or eBay, and it's like a normal DVD for a 90 minute kaiju movie, and it's $95. Holy shit. Like, or I could just go to a site and just watch a free version of it. Yeah, that's that's not a hard decision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's sometimes it's just too much of a hassle. And that's it's 
the genre has been getting a bit better at it in recent years, thankfully. But like it was a struggle for a long time. Like there's two movies in particular in the Godzilla franchise, uh, Return of Godzilla, aka Godzilla 1985 from 1985, and the following movie to it in 1989, Godzilla vs. Biollante. So with 85, the it was initially uh, international distributed by New World Pictures. And then they went away. And then, you know, wherever, whatever holding company or whatever, you know, when they liquidated the studio and whatnot, wherever those rights ended up, either they didn't know it or weren't interested in working a deal with Toho at the time. So, like, a movie like that just kind of sat in limbo and didn't have even a DVD release. And it only had, like, the... 90s mid 90s vhs release of it and then there was nothing until about seven years ago so there was no way to watch it other if you didn't have a vhs save <laughs> and a vhs player like, there was no way to watch it then biolante's international distribution rights at least for a long time were initially held by miramax and they didn't give a shit <laughs> so they had no interest <laughs> They had no interest after, again, the initial uh, VHS tape release. And then it was years and years and years before we finally got, like, a Blu-ray of it about six or seven years ago. Again, a short run of it that I picked up simply because I know, like, this is not going to come by again anytime soon. And, of course, it was a limited run, so now you see them online for, like, $80, $90, $140. Holy shit, that's wild. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's it's the weird because it's international distribution rights, right? Because Toho obviously owns all their distribution rights for in Japan, but they don't internationally. You know, they uh, license the right for international distribution to someone else. Now, most of the 80s and 90s after those first two aforementioned movies, the rest of it was done even for the VHS tapes back in the late 90s, early 2000s, that was done by uh, Columbia TriStar. And then Sony had the entire Millennium Era, the international distributed on DVD pretty quickly after they released in theaters in Japan and everything, like within a year or so. So those are all pretty well established and easy to find. Like you can find multi packs of those in the Walmart, you know five dollar bin a lot of the times right but like it's the early stuff and then a lot of more obscure things that just again in the last like five to seven years a lot of this stuff has been finally getting like proper re-releases or blu-ray release or something like that right which is nice it's been a nice bit of a renaissance and I feel like movies like Pacific Rim and the Godzilla Monsterverse movies from legendary kind of really helped bring interest back in the genre enough to keep it alive for another however many years because like the genre more or less dies off every so often usually with like when godzilla go leave theaters and they're not making more godzilla movies for a period of time usually coincides with it but not that godzilla is the only thing keeping it afloat, but Godzilla is obviously the sign of, okay, now this period is over. And then it goes, well, the genre goes away and quiet for a little bit, then comes back. But like right now, um, indie films, like Kickstarter campaigns, are really kind of keeping the genre really 
going right now through a big international audience, which is nice. Yeah, I, I bet Pacific Rim did give that a, a big jump. That was a really fun movie. And it didn't do well here, anyway. It made a ton of money in China. It made money in Japan. And it's not like it lost money here. It just didn't make... It's something I've said multiple times before, is that, like, with Pacific Rim and the MonsterVerse franchise, or, you know, the the reports and critics and everything are saying it's a box office bomb. It's like, no, they all make money here in the States. But it's not five times the, the genre none of these a godzilla movie is never going to gross a billion dollars it's just not going to <laughs> and like but because we live in the mcu universe and everything right like and it's it's a failure if it doesn't make like 750 million dollars or more and it's like that's not that's not what this genre is it's never going to hit those numbers it's just not yeah yeah i guess that makes sense but if most of them are made at a at least the low budget ones, those ones, you know, they don't have to do a billion dollars in the box office to be considered successful. No, and like things like the Monsters Godzilla movies all ranged around like 160 to 180 million in cost. And they still like even ones that didn't do great here still get made like 350 million or whatever. And that's just domestic, not including international. So it's like they made money, guys. They just didn't pull in over half a million dollars. Yeah, um, oh, this is a total tangent. But uh, did you see that no. uh, Coolio passed away? Yeah, did see that. Man, that's way. I think he was only like fifty nine. That's way too young. Yeah, I mean, we it's been. I forget who I was talking about this with a, a little while ago, but you know, like in the last five or so years, right? We've had a lot of people dying off, like famous people and everything, right? And my thought is that, and they all are somewhere like between 60 and 70, a large chunk of them are, right? Like, you know, uh, Alan Rickman, there's a large list of it. And I wonder if the reason why, because they all grew up in a time where, you know, they, they knew smoking was bad for you, right? Like, we're past that point, but... They still grew up and came up in a time before, you know, really at the turn of the century, personal health and fitness and, you know, different, you know, exercising and yoga and uh, cardio and nutritionists and diets and everything. And really, like, we're we're at a point where now the social consciousness has a much healthier understanding of personal health whereas when a lot of these people came up in the 70s and 80s or whatever we didn't so it's a like you know choices that weren't made before you were 40 that once they kind of became more socially conscious well there's enough damage from before that that's been done so here's the eventual consequence of it you'll live a bit longer but there's still a i wonder if that's something to do with it at all I mean, it could be environmental factors and and just the way you live your life. And God, you'd almost think it might be worse nowadays, though, with like the especially with like Americans diets having switched to, to so much processed stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's going to be other complications from that down the line. But <laughs> <Yeah>, for sure, <laughs> in but the increase like... in like corn syrup and stuff like that in products, it's. But like in the last 
you know, 10, 15 years or so, there's been a large swell in movements and people, again, the education of this stuff. We have the education of it now as a public that we didn't back then. You know what I mean? People yeah. are more aware of it. People understand it more. And there's a more there's more options for healthy non-heavily processed alternatives for things. So um, I, wonder, I, would, I would wager that we will see as, you know, our generation and onward getting older and getting, hitting our 60s and 70s or whatever, I feel like we're going to be in a much better place as a general populace health-wise because we came up in a time where this stuff, when it started, when it would have mattered for us to start knowing about it is when all this stuff started being known. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, it will it, it'll be interesting when our generation reaches retirement age. Like wh- what what is that going to be like? And yeah. We'll it'll be see. funny too because we'll be like, you know, we're going to be that generation that's in a retirement home that's like listening to Tupac. <laughs> exactly, right? It's going to be weird. <laughs> Wearing adult diapers while you're listening to like first fucking bitch <laughs> in the clip you claim. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> Quite better this time. I was itching all week, you young fuck. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's a true story. I've always thought about that, right? About being like, yeah, listening to like 90s and 80s hip hop and R&B and everything or, you know, grunge music and like still having a TV and trying to play video games that were really bad now because of arthritis and shit. <laughs> That's right. Instead of like sitting around playing board games, it's going to be like. Old dudes clustered around a, a couch, like playing like a, some old school system. They're like playing something on like a PS4 when like the PS like a 10 is out or some shit like that. <laughs> it's gonna be a real hey Derek, Halo, <laughs> like so Call deep. of Duty parties or something like that. Exactly, like, <laughs> like retirees we'll somehow come full circle back to old school land parties in the retirement home or something. <laughs> Like, that'll be one thing, and then, like, instead of board games, like, you know, Pinochle or whatever, it's gonna be old dudes sitting around playing D&D. <laughs> <laughs> or, like, uh, Settlers of, uh, uh, Catan or whatever. <laughs> Have you seen, uh, Patton Oswalt's new, uh, special that just dropped this week on Netflix? No. No, I haven't. Uh, it's got some good stuff in it. Um, he had some good bits in there about uh, <laughs> generations getting old and being totally irrelevant and then just fucking things up with your vote. That's <laughs> a way yeah. you're like, look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm relevant. I think that's like, the exact fucking like, word he uses. <laughs> the phrase. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny. That's pretty good. Uh, good stuff. I always love Patton. I was I was excited to see that on there. I just happened to be flipping through Netflix and I was like, oh shit, a new Patton special drop. That's fun. Yeah, he's always pretty funny. I do enjoy him usually. Um, I wanted to swing back a bit to like an old, uh, from what I said was going to be initially a perfect tangent, and then I kind of continued talking and pulled myself away from my own tangent <laughs> somehow. Um, but like the the Jurassic Park franchise and everything, because, like, you know, I've been, I'm seeing ads all over the place, like, the extended version of a Jurassic World Dominion Ugh. is now on Peacock or whatever. It's like, like, guys, I, I was curious, I never talked to you about, like, your thoughts on the entire franchise, but especially these world movies, because, like, I've, 
I've said my my two cents to other people in the past. Yeah, the the world movies, I it was they got worse as they went on, in my opinion. Uh, I thought the first oh, one yeah. had a pretty good premise going. Uh, the the second one, I feel like it 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 started to just jump the shark in terms of this doesn't feel like a like a Jurassic Park type movie. And then in the third one, it was even worse. And then with the fact that they carried in the you know these legacy characters from the original movie and put them on like this B plot line that didn't even have much to do with dinosaurs. The dinosaurs were like adjacent to their plot line. And I thought it <laughs> the was dinosaurs just... were where they had to go, but they weren't there for the dinosaurs. It was it was it was just dumb. It, it had a few exciting scenes in it. I felt, but otherwise, it's I'm not looking forward to sitting through Dominion again. Let alone a fucking extended version of it. That's the thing is and like this is one of the reasons why like there was a hard line for me when we started the podcast of no Jurassic Park franchise will not be on here because I'm like I don't want to sit through try JP three again <laughs> and then since Fallen Kingdom and Dominion have come out I'm like oh my god I really don't want to sit through those again Alan <laughs> Alan I kind of love Jurassic <laughs> Park three but for no good reasons <laughs> Raptor in the parade man Raptor in the parade <laughs> but yeah like the world movies yeah like the first one I think is fine now, I was pretty down on it just because like, I just didn't want to enjoy it the first time I saw it. But I've since come around to like, it's actually not bad. It's actually pretty decent and everything. It's obviously got issues that all fucking movies these days have and everything. And <laughs> two and three really fall into that one. I actually still think Fallen Kingdom is worse than Dominion because like the the first like bit in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom when they go, you know, leading up to they get on the island, leading and leading up to the betrayal of the obviously villain. The guy is obviously a villain bit. And up to that point, like, you know, you have some feelings about it or whatever. And it's like, oh, but I'm still going with it because, you know, they're trying to save them. And we're talking about, like, do these things have rights as living beings? And because we made them and everything. Right. And once we get onto the boat leaving the island, like the movie just nose dives into the Grand Canyon, you know? Like it is so it becomes so stupid so quickly, so badly, between the Indoraptor, we're just shrinking down the Rex, the Irex, and I know that was the whole, you know, uh Vincent D'Onofrio's character in the first Jurassic World movie talks about that right before the Raptor eats him and everything. But it just that and we're just doing, we're retreading The Lost World, which was not a great movie to begin with. So, no. like, <laughs> remaking a meh movie <laughs> that was a sequel to a all-time classic, maybe not the best thing to do, especially not when we put, oh, by the way, human clones. Yeah, yeah, I don't, see, and I had seen um, that the the Fallen Kingdom I watched that on like a Tuesday for the first time, and then on that following Thursday, went and saw Dominion in the theater. Oof. So, so like I had watched both of those movies for the first time within just a couple days apart from each other. That's a that's a real cross counter fade punch <laughs> on you. <laughs> but having basically watched them back to back like that, I I did enjoy Fallen Kingdom more than Dominion, but like not by like a lot. I mean they're. The the only thing is, it's like it's like they're bad, but they're not bad in the way that the Jurassic Park three is bad. 
like Jurassic Park yeah. 3 is like it's still a somewhat enjoyable movie and it's almost made better now in the w- different ways that you can kind of make fun of it. Yeah. You no, know? I absolutely agree. I think like JP3 until Fallen Kingdom and Dominion came out was easily the worst Jurassic Park movie. <laughs> it's like, let's and then watch. they came out and went, wow, we're going to sh- we're going to try to get under we're going to limbo under that pretty low bar twice in a row. <laughs> let's watch 90 minutes of of Tia Leone breathing through her mouth and just screaming. <laughs> fucking hilarious oh, there was some, there was some odd there's some odd casting in that uh, between like just her and william h macy like, yes no, i was just thinking that same thing it's like, the, it's like the craziest fucking pairing ever like, what are y'all doing here <laughs> like in a jurassic park movie I mean, I guess, like, you know, their age or probably was like, it's a Jurassic Park movie. It'll be good for the career. Think about it. Those movies make tons of money. Like, <laughs> well. Because <laughs> that movie feels like it's cut to the quick so much. And that's kind of responsible for a lot of the weird things in it. And, like, how things are a bit jarring in that movie, you know? Of, again, like, Alan in the plane. Or so fucking bizarre. What a, what a choice. The Marines show up on a beach at the very end for no reason. But for some reason, they send a guy in a suit to be there, the first person on the beach that's going to go just stand there with a megaphone. <laughs> Not only that, but like, yeah, weird enough as is. But then like... All of the like uh, aquatic landing craft and everything are like two seconds later right behind him and everybody's piling out of it and whatnot. And it's like, were they all just hiding off like in the bushes for everybody? <laughs> like, were they purposely? Because again, like, you have the dude in the suit standing there with the megaphone saying, Dr. Grant. And like, was everybody, was it a surprise party? Like, surprise, you're going to live. Yeah, there's is some whack choices in that movie. <laughs> right, but like I feel like things like that are explained away by that movie being cut so much and heavily edited, so like that makes it comical, whereas Fallen Kingdom and Dominion just have everything in these movies. Yeah, they're like, just they're, they're just so bad long. scripts. They're they've got way too much going on. Yeah, I feel like the sequel trilogy would would it and it's really funny that you can refer to it that way. But the the, the sequel trilogy of Jurassic you know, franchise is that they were just way too, way too stoked to just get dinosaurs in our world, no matter what. And then once they got them here, they, they kind of squandered it because those were scenes in dominion that could have been really, really cool. And it's like, they yeah. just, they just yada yada right past it and just almost used it. Like it was a, just like a fucking montage of sorts. It's like, yep, there's dinosaurs here now. They, they use they, it ca- as- they cause real problems at construction sites. We gotta put a we gotta put a, a fucking road flare on a piece of heavy equi- equipment and lead them away because everybody knows dinosaurs flare. love to follow flares. Not just the T Rex, only because the you know <laughs> canonically in their universe their vision is based on movement. Nope, all dinosaurs love them. Just like every fucking dinosaur, if. Chris Pratt holds out his hand, every fucking dinosaur in existence will stop. Not just Blue, you know, the one that he trained that as a command signal to from birth and everything. No, no, every dinosaur will just obey that. It's Big Carnotaurus and an Allosaurus, they'll just stop. That scene where they all did that in, in Dominion, it made me want to punch myself in the face. It was when so fucking get, terrible. Uh, when they're trying to get baby Blue beta. <laughs> it's like they're all holding up doing the hand thing and it's like what the fuck is this oh yeah it's so it's so you look like a bunch of 11s at a stranger things convention stop that right it's really dumb but yeah like they all have so much in them and yeah like you said 
the by the beginning of the third movie, yeah, they use like this news montage and everything of we're not going to actually deal with dinosaurs in our world. Like it's the establishing shot of the New York skyline at the beginning of a rom-com movie, you know? It's just like, what? Like, why? Let's do stuff with this. Like, we put them out here, so now let's do something with it. No, no, we're just going to go to this other sanctuary and have it be about genetically engineered locusts that own that eat crops that aren't done by the same company that engineered them. Like, <laughs> And our bad guy so, is going to be Tim Cook from Apple. <laughs> but, oh but really, God. he's going to be Dodgson. Remember Dodgson? We're bringing him back, too. <laughs> Like, don't they realize the whole point of that of Dodson being in the movie was we've got Dodson here. See, nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, you beat me to it. <laughs> yeah. like, nobody, nobody, cares. nobody cares. Nobody cared then. Nobody cares now. Except for like, yes, yeah, obviously you're trying to make another jab at Tecma moguls and everything. And like, yes, I understand that like, you know, your Jeff Bezos and so forth are not good people. We all understand that. But like, so stop using them as like a the the villain type and everything right they did that in like the second or third Brosnan and bond movie with the media mogul guy who was wearing the the black turtlenecks like uh steve jobs did <laughs> i'm so out of touch on bond movies i feel like really the only ones that i've seen are like really the older ones like I haven't seen any of the Daniel Craig ones. I've oh, wow. maybe only seen one of the Pierce Brosnan ones. Which one? Uh, the first one that he did, Goldeneye. Okay, good. The, the one second where, the one where the... Sean Bean's the bad guy. I've seen that yeah. movie multiple times. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a real good one. The one I'm talking about is his second movie. So it's the one after that one. <sighs> is that Tomorrow Never Dies or Die Another Day? I can't remember. There's too many. All those ones, aside from Goldeneye, had two like <laughs> Tomorrow Never Dies Another Day. <laughs> yeah, like there was so too many. It was a real Wheel of Fortune before and after going on with a lot of them. <laughs> I'd like to solve the puzzle. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. Turns out Pat Sajak's kind of racist. <laughs> Is that the answer? No, that's just the sad truth. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like, it's, uh, the, the, man, yeah, these second two world movies were not good. Again, like, I feel like Fallen Kingdom is a bigger fall from grace for me. So Dominion is not as bad to it as Fallen Kingdom, in my opinion, simply because, like, all right, we already tripped and are on the ground. <laughs> so, like, unless you really worked, unless they really worked hard, in my opinion, and took a shovel and dug my own grave for me, like, it can't get worse than that, so... We had giant grasshoppers. I know. <laughs> big, dumb locusts. I know. I know. So I'm not boring. saying... It was I'm so not boring. saying it wasn't good. I'm not saying it was good. It's bad. But, like, I don't know. When, don't when know. we had the big dino fight at the end, and the one dinosaur, like, runs into the other dinosaur, basically, mm -hmm. it, it looked like a newbie on a forklift just running the fucker into the wall with the, tine, with the, the forks yeah. halfway up the mast. And, like... I laughed out loud in the theater at that part. You know, I, I don't think anybody who is in the production intended somebody to laugh at that. And I like loud laughed out loud. And I wasn't the only one in the theater to do it. <laughs> that was fucking silly. I just kind of went, oh, so that's just how writing it is. Just the Chiganotosaurus <laughs> gets run into the Therizinosaurus's hands. Okay. All right, yeah. I guess. But. I mean, it was very anticlimactic, I'll say that much. It was definitely like, wow, that's that fast, huh? All right. 
I don't know, but I would watch Bryce Dallas Howard like read a phone book. So, well, you know, if if she's in it, it's it's not all bad. She's she's phenomenal in my opinion. And no, and the, the the scene with the rapture chase I thought was exciting. It had some some dumb moments in it. Uh, my favorite is the guy riding like the Vesper or whatever that gets bit by like the the small T Rex, whatever kind of dinosaur that is. Yeah, no, it, it just like picks him right off of it, and I love it that it's like all these people in the background aren't really reacting to the fact that there's a dinosaur yeah. going through the square. <laughs> well, and that guy, fun fact, I only know this from other people that the guy who gets eaten like won a contest to get eaten as an extra. Oh, that's funny. That right? like, that, that kind of makes that a little special. I would special. love that. I'd love to have that happen. But yeah, him just on the Vespa in between the Carnotaurus and the Allosaurus, the Carno just grabs him and eats him. It was <laughs> like, did, were you not looking at anything going on around you? Apparently not, because no one else is either. That is way too close to Carnitasaurus, and that's basically me. I think that's some of the thing, too. Is like Dominion had a more variety of dinosaurs all throughout and a couple new ones that like I gave a little bit of extra, I had a little bit of appreciation for of like, well, like the, the ones with the sail in the cave when they're trying to get out the, uh, Dimetrodonts, which aren't actually dinosaurs. They're actually pre mammalian, uh, creatures. They're actually an intermediary between, uh, aquatic life and early mammals. Hmm. Which is a fun little fact, but like, I've like yeah I used to be and obviously still am to some degree a big dinosaur nerd and everything I knew a lot more back then also a lot of that turns out to have been inaccurate but you know <laughs> what there's no brontosaurus my childhood's a lie <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how often things will go like we will go back and forth on certain things right of like you know there was that long period where. You know, T-Rex is obviously, like, you know, the king of the dinosaurs since the name and everything. Tyrant Lizard King and was, you know, the fiercest predator and the largest predator. And then there was a period of time where I forget if it was uh, Robert Bacher or uh, I can't remember which uh, paleontologist it was, but theorized that it was the T-Rex is actually a scavenger. And that kind of became a hot issue for a while. And then that's since been turned back around. It's like, no, no, they were predators. They were, they weren't just scavengers or whatever. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny how things will go back and forth and how much like we knew is now not true at all. Yeah, you know, it's science. It's a constant learning process. Only so much you can learn from a non-existent species. <laughs> well, it's like, look, let's look at facts from our childhood. Brontosaurus, not real. Pluto, not a planet. This is how you get fucking people out there that believe birds aren't real. No, no, which is no. personally my favorite conspiracy theory that birds aren't real <laughs> have you heard of that one no but <laughs> I, I got about to <laughs> okay it started as a hoax to like uh, rope people in who are fucking morons and it worked beautifully and so there's people out there that will argue that the government has killed all of the birds and replaced them with little robot drones that have cameras in their eyes and they're used as surveillance. What is this, Blade Runner? We don't have real <laughs> animals. We just have these fake artificial animals. Hashtag birds aren't real. Uh, apparently. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's one of those ones where it's right up there with, with the earth is flat. It's like, well, what is the game? What, what, yeah, who no, the who go, stands the to gain what? If the Government earth is flat, millions of laser beaks. Like the birds aren't real. One at least makes sense. Okay, the no, birds aren't real. They're used for surveillance. Okay, I get it. There's something nefarious going on. 
who wins when the earth is flat versus round? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, wh- wh- there's people out there who have made that their identity also. There's some dumb fucker who made a rocket because he wanted to go up and prove there was no curve of the earth. I think he fucking died on the way down. Uh, one person did. Another person had done it. It might have been the same guy on his second time doing it. But, like, the first time it went up, it came back down. He was like, my results are inconclusive. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. So I think he like, built dude, another one. You, you I don't can... know if it's the same guy, but it would it would sure be quite karmic and uh, justified uh, if, yeah. He went up there again with a different rocket and died. Here's the wild part. You could have just gone on top of like a 14,000 foot peak in Colorado and, and been like, yep, it's got some curve to it. Look at that. <laughs> you didn't the thing is, like, a rocket. You could have stayed on terra firma, my guy. The thing is that like people like that, though, it does. Once these people are convinced of something, it doesn't matter how it there's no way to convince them otherwise. And it's the thing, right? Of like never argue with fools because from an outsider, they won't know who's arguing with what. Yeah, that's a very, very valid point. Yeah, I slightly butchered it, but you, you get what I well, mean. And also, because there's, there's no, these people are never going to, once some of these people like flat earthers and truthers and so forth and QAnon nuts, right? Like, there's no, they are not rational people. They do not think logically. So approaching them from a logical standpoint is not going to work. Trying to present them with evidence, facts, and and provable testing isn't going to do anything for them because they are not people who – they their brains don't work that way, don't process information the way that a normal brain does. Absolutely. Well, they just aren't able to. There's also been studies that have – been done that have shown that if you've been duped and then you get shown evidence that you've been duped, it's easier to just cling on to what you previously believed in spite of the evidence against you because it's just easier for your basically for your mind to accept. It's easier to accept that something fantastical might be true rather than you were duped. Uh, it's called it's easier for their ego. Yeah, to exactly, hang on yeah. to the lie. And that's that's really what it boils down to for a lot of these people. It's about them thinking that they are so important. And regardless of what the conspiracy is, whether it's truthing or QAnon or Flat Earth or, you know, a radical fundamentalist of any religion, it's this idea or, you know, all these various, again, QAnons and governmental conspiracy theory theories about like Pizzagate and all this other nonsense shit, right? <laughs> it's that they, things like the birds aren't real so that because they the government is spying on us, they they have to justify their own existence by thinking that something a large enough construct like that is interested in what they are doing because it makes them feel like they matter because these are people who either have led lives that have been vastly unfulfilling and for whatever reason there's many I'm sure or that something happened in their lives and they are needing to try to find answers, try to find an understanding why. And yeah, it's easier to for it's easier for people to accept the idea because their ego, the notion that X, Y, Z and F all did all these things in order for this to happen, to feel like you were important enough or somebody gave a shit enough about what happens in your day-to-day life to create this circumstance to put you in this position or situation 
rather than it's just the fucking chaos of the universe, baby. Shit happens. Things are just how they are. You don't have any real control over it because it makes people feel insignificant. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I think it's there's a certain power in embracing that, though. No, and there is. It's it's a gr- it's a very simple micro, but also a very universally applic- applicable macro idea is to just not worry about the things you can't control and only focus on the things you can. Yep, exactly. I can't. I can't now. I pay attention to certain things and things like I can't affect the DOJ's investigation into January 6th. I have nothing to add to that. And while I am interested and pay close attention to things like that or political stuff or, you know, the war in Ukraine still ongoing and everything and Russians trying to recruit people out of occupied territory because they don't have enough people to continue their their movement, their military forces. Dude, have you seen this- photos of some of their conscripts? I mean, oh, no. It's it's frightening. I mean, they I'm basically sure just conscript, con, uh, conscripted Anybody. like 300,000 people, mm-hmm. like fucking farmers and stuff. And it's like, wow, you're taking guys that grow your food and you're sending yeah. them off into a feudal war. You fucking morons. People um, that you are occupying their land from. So, you know, <laughs> I'm sure crazy. I'm sure they're really going to fight tooth and nail for your cause, which was to take their shit. Yeah, the lens of history is going to be very interesting when it, it sweeps is. around to look at this from a historical perspective. Oh, um, you had sure. said something earlier about, um, you know, community. And I think that, that that is something that these people fall into is that they don't have any sort of community around them. And then all of a sudden they fall in with these, you know, real fucking knuckleheads online. And then they just start doing this very human behavior of like monkey see, monkey do. It's they're just, they're just yeah, they're just repeating the patterns that are around them. And if you're all of a sudden part of a community that, you know, the everybody in there is a shithead. And so you start acting like a shithead, too. And all of a sudden now it becomes this is your identity. You are part of this community. And it's like, well, how much how much better would things have been if that person would have gotten into like fucking model trains? Or, or something like that, where that's your community now. Now you're just building train sets in your basement, and you can talk online with people about that. Still a community, but it's pretty fucking awesome if that's your thing. And you know what? It's completely non-destructive to society. Yeah. Uh, unlike like the people who QAnons, like the people who believe in Pizzagate, showing up fucking armed at some fucking pizza restaurant because you believe stories online that they're trafficking children there to Democrats who are going to drink their fucking blood to stay young forever. Like you're a fucking moron. You got duped. You you showed up with a fucking firearm to a place of business. Like, yeah, unbelievable. I mean, it, like I said, it is. It's a lack of sense of belonging that these people have. Again, like feeling unfulfilled in their lives. Like I said, it's this this idea that they don't have they don't understand and they can't grasp. Again, the what I said, a very good micro, but also universally applicable is the don't get held up and worry too much about the things you can't control. Focus on the things you can. I can't control what's going on in Ukraine and Russia right now, but I can in November with the uh, Senate elections, I can cast my vote to make sure that someone who's, you know, the, uh, who's running for it. Cause our guy uh, Kingsinger is not uh, running for reelection because he's been outed from his party because of January 6th committee stuff and everything. Because he's one of the lone voices of reason. 
on that side of the table, whatever. Obviously, people can tell where I lean on things. But, the, it, it, you know, I can still cast my vote to a to hopefully help elect a representative who I think represents my interests. And hopefully that will reflect in, you know, at least I'll have some form of representation in Washington. Yeah, I mean, will will I get what I want out of that? I don't know. But, like, I can – that's all I can do about that, right? All I can do that and – share news articles about things that are going on and maybe donate money to a fund or something, right? Like that's all I can do in regards to that. So I'm not going to sit here and let the horrible things that are happening over there. And they are horrible. They are horrible things happening over there. And I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, but I can't stop that. You know, so I'm not going to let that tragedy consume my day to day. I'm not going to worry about things that are not within my sphere of control. I'm going to worry about what I can do from where I'm sitting. And of too many people, and that, go again, is universally applicable to everything. Of the, We are, you know, people feel like, well, I feel like I'm insignificant in 100 years from now. I'm not going to matter. Probably true. Like 99.9% of all of humanity that has ever lived has never... Maybe a century or so after their death has never come up in anything. You know, it's it's a very haunting, but it's a very not as like comforting, but it's a very it's something a truth that I always think about often is the at some point my name will be said out loud for the last time ever. That's when you stop existing. Ah, the second death. Yeah. Mm. And it's yep, like the first death being your your physical death, the second death when the last person who remembers you dies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very Coco. Yeah, very. And but again, like it's and that's haunting, and it it certainly does give me some existential dread sometimes when I think about it. But at the same time, it reminds me of that. It reminds me of the fact that there is no real permanence, and that I can't I can't do anything about that. So, you know, don't worry so much about it. Don't think too hard on it other than to just remind yourself of this and the the temporary that everything is. So stop worrying about every single little thing. Again, especially things you can't do anything about and just worry about what you can and do the best you can and try to fucking enjoy your life at least enough. You know, I feel like another uh, phrasing of mine or saying of mine is, if 50.0001% of the days of your life were more good than bad, it wasn't a wasted life. Oh, yeah, no, true. Well, and, the, and that's just the way life is, too. It's, it's a series of moments, and some of those moments are up, and some of those moments are down. Yeah. And it's but, just the, the way it is. It, there's an ebb and a flow to life. Because quite people, honestly, if you were People try up, to chase those peaks and valleys too much. People focus too much. People who you know, have a lot of uh, anxiety or depression and everything, they, because they're conditioned and everything, they focus on those valleys, the low points. And then, you know, people like thrill seekers that are always trying to chase a high, and this is the same thing for drug addicts, and they think they're looking for their next peak when really they've just been sitting in their lowest valley for a long period of time. It's unfortunate, <laughs> but it's a tragic tale of it all. But, like, it's not about the highs and lows. It's about the average. It's about the mean. It's about that middle line. It's not about the amplitude. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there are far too many people who worry 
about things that are outside their control. And I think social media plays into that a lot with the way that the algorithms are are created to just the, – the algorithms are there to create engagement and people engage with things that make them super upset. And so if you fall into this hole where you're constantly interacting with posts that make you upset, that algorithm is going to show you things that make you upset. And before you know it, you just sit and doom scroll and being on Facebook will literally spin you out. And so it's like, hey, you got to you got to disengage a, a little bit. And other, otherwise, you are going to get spun out about stuff that is completely outside your control that it's. You know, it's like you're trying to win a race by sitting in a rocking chair, and it's like you're going to rock back and forth a lot, but you're not going to move. <laughs> so stop rocking on that chair and get off and actually fucking do something productive. Again, it's people trying to find an answer for why they aren't as happy as they think they should be. Yeah, get in, you just get a safe hobby. Get into something, you know? <laughs> right. You know, and uh, not podcasting for everybody, but maybe do that for something you enjoy before you get involved with these kinds of people. That'd be, you know, that'll cut that off in the past a little bit. But yeah, you know, find something that you enjoy. You know, I mean, I used to, I still occasionally do, but like I used to do model building and everything. And like, it was fun. It was nice and relaxing. Like I don't, I used to do like, you know, military stuff, you know, boat, you know, uh, naval ships and tanks and planes and everything. Now I just do Gundam models because that's the ultimate piece of military hardware. (laughs) (laughs) But like the process is still very much the same of like it's it's I have a setup. You know, I have like my table here and I have things cleared off and I have, you know, the sprues with all the sheet, the sheet sprues and everything with all the individual pieces over here. I got the instructions here. I got my exacto knife. I've got various different, you know, uh, nail files and sanding paper of different grades and everything to really kind of get things down. I have a highlighting pen and everything, and, you know, just go through the process and like throw something, usually like some sort of political walk and talk, Alan Sorkin style thing, like West Wing or some form of show like that. Something that you can just kind of be vaguely paying attention to every once in a while, but not really. And just kind of something that's procedural for the most part and just go through it. And it's very Zen like, and it's just, it's very, it's very soothing because you're not focusing on other stuff. You're not worried about a bunch of other things. You're just kind of enjoying the process of the, it's like as children put together a Lego set, right? It's like the, the discovery of taking all these little individual things and it turns into that and watching as you make that happen slowly over a period of time and there will be moments in sort of like Lego building or model building or like uh, really interesting in certain cases like highly detailed and expensive like Transformers uh, figure collecting is like the engineering in it and watching and having a moment like, so that's how that that's clever. Ooh, that's really cool. You know, and just kind of having that multiple times throughout it. It's just a journey of discovery. And it's fun. Yeah, I used to build uh, model rockets, the kind that you could go and, you know, get the, the engine in and Yeah, the little, and... the little uh, gunpowder cartridges or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that was a lot of fun. I, I started doing those when I was a kid with uh, with my dad's younger brother and and started doing it myself for a little while and then went out and bought a few rocket kits, oh, probably like five years ago or something like that. And I think I built maybe two or three of them and then got a more advanced one. 
and totally lost interest like halfway through that build and never finished oh. it. But I did a few of them that actually turned out pretty good. I was I was proud of myself because that that really fine detailed artistic work like that like sometimes i i struggle with that and uh and yeah this so some of those models i had i'd look at them and immediately just look at the parts that i knew were fucked up and not look at the other like 98 percent of it that looked <laughs> fucking immaculate <laughs> i mean it's i mean there's always that for especially for something like model building or rocket building or you know like i i've known a couple of people that got in they got into the big like RC car stuff or like uh yeah those uh, are cool motorized planes and everything and flying those around and everything right and like it's you know it's the, that really took off in the last like 15 years or something like that but yeah you know, it's especially for something you're building like a rocket or a model this or that like you're always as the person who made it of course you know we're we're always our own worst critics for everything right <laughs> sure. so of course we're gonna see that the thing that nobody else sees to us it's like highlighted by the light of god <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> dude you brought up that model plane it reminded me when i was younger there was this pond that we used to always go to for uh for fishing and it was it was one of those borrow pit ponds that you see right alongside like the interstates you know where they dug up a bunch of dirt just to build up the road beds yeah, just occasionally a they, pond. Yeah, well, and occasionally, you know, they'll dig deep enough to where they hit the water table, and then the whole thing just fills up, and then now you got a nice little pond alongside the interstate. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, there was one of these in Benton County, Iowa, that we'd always go fishing at, and it was about 30 feet deep and filtered through sand in the bottom. The, the water is just crystal clear, and it had these humongous fucking largemouth bass in there. And uh, so we were out there fishing one time, and this guy came out with like a model – biplane that had like pontoons on the bottom and so he he's set it like you know right next to the water's edge at the boat ramp of this pond and then took it off like took off with it it did a couple loops around the pond and then went to come in to land it and totally biffed it on the landing thing was fucking crashed this guy had to fucking swim out to the middle of this fucking pond i mean like if i mean this pond in its way it was probably about a 200-yard swim for this guy to go out there and back. And then the whole way back, he's having to try and hold this plane above his head while he's kind of treading water and just swimming back with one arm. I felt so bad for him. <laughs> it's I like, mean, dude, you didn't even get to fucking – and then he just loaded it up in his truck and left. He was there for like yeah. a total well, – What else can you do at that point? Yeah, he, he was there for maybe there 30 minutes. And, and it was, he came there to like show off and be cool and everything. <laughs> Hey, but, uh, like flying, yes. Landing, yeah. no. Not much. <laughs> the NES Top Gun game. Can't land the damn thing for the damn. No way. <laughs> possible. I don't understand it. But no, yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad for that guy, too. But at the same time, like, I mean, should have practiced that first, dude. <laughs> should have practiced that landing on your own. <laughs> I've definitely seen a lot of those. Not necessarily um, in a fishing or in a pond, like trying to land in the water with pontoons and anything. But, like, plenty of, like, you know, at parks, people have their planes out and everything. I've seen so many of them crash and more than one explode into flames. <laughs> it is so funny. But it's funny you bring up the retention pond because, yeah, there was one down by Kankakee, which is from where I'm at, uh, or from Chicago. It's about a little over an hour drive, give or take, depending on what you route you take. And traffic, you just go like to go 94 to 57, and then you just take 57 down a long ways. But that's the geography session for everybody who knows where the hell I'm living at. So. <laughs> Map talk. Yeah. 
But uh, very much same thing, right? Like right off the interstate there, right off 57. Clearly they dug it out because the, the highway's raised and everything. It's this little thing there. Well, pro- it probably looks eerily similar to the one you're talking about, I would wager. I picture, as you're saying that, I'm just picturing the one that I know. And it's like, yeah, that sounds all accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but it reminds uh, like me and a couple of buddies of mine, we used to go down there every once in a while and everything. And the last time we went down there, this is a long while ago. But we hadn't done it in a while. And my buddy Matt, who was like the big fishing guy, Bob was the other guy. And he was he's into fishing too, but like Matt was really trying to like get him back into fishing. I just go to hang out and everything. Like I don't really I don't own a pole, but like they each have like three or something. So it's like, yeah, I can use one of those or whatever. But I'm there just to kind of hang out or whatever. And he was it was I think it was like a Sunday or something. And Matt's there. And he's like, Man, this is I'm really enjoying this is really soothing. I can't and like this is so amazing universal time and like i can't remember what stopped why i stopped doing this for so long casts like he was saying that as he wound back cast it and his lure boop, right off of the line and just goes flying into the middle of the lake of the pond <laughs> it just, it's like it just like it goes fucking hate this shit guys <laughs> will always remind you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is one of those hobbies that can be really really frustrating but it's like if you're doing it the right way fishing should be relaxing well and that's it's, why it's like, like go and don't expect that you're just gonna be you know nailing fish after fish like if anything take a fucking book with you yeah exactly right and that's the thing like for me like there wasn't for me, the issue, like the reason I'm not really, I'm, I never got into like fishing in particular or like hunting or anything like that was like, because yes, the vast majority of the time, your, your start and your end have no difference. Like you said, you're not, you know, go with there expecting like you're not going to catch anything. And for me growing up, like, no, no, I need there to be a like result, a tangible, quantifiable result of something and like just so that being a fact of those sports a lot of times like i'm not doing that and but so that's why i got into like model building and everything i mean also i'm not exactly an outdoorsy person necessarily i think (laughs) this world like but I, i was in boy scouts and everything and i used to be a lot more outdoorsy but like i think as time went on and so forth like i i moved closer and more towards inside stuff model building and everything because like it was first model building and then it was and it still is model building sometimes and then it was miniature painting to uh, playing warhammer 40k because yeah playing the game is fun and everything but i uh, really also enjoyed painting and putting together the figures and everything so like a lot of these same sort of things that just like because i can you know there's a beginning that's just a bunch of stuff and at the end there's a thing and like that's Again, my brain, how it works, that's quantifiable. That is a tangible progression towards something. So <laughs> that's how my brain works. It's like, no, I need there to be a thing at the end that signifies, ah, done. <laughs> yeah, I think with people who are like really into fishing, it's the experience that is the thing. And and if they, they catch fish, that's a bonus. If they didn't, they they still spent you know, a, a a day out on the water or whatever. And and I can get that. I, I grew up on the river. Mom and dad uh, bought their cabin that they own when I was like three years old. And so like when I was, when I was tall enough 
to reach like the cleaning table, I was, I had, you know, a fillet knife in my hand and I was cleaning fish with the adults. Like I learned how to clean fish before I learned how to fucking drive. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, lots of fun times with that shit. And I've, I learned a lot of good skills at this point in my life. It has been fucking probably well over a decade since I've gone fishing. It's and and I still got all my, I got my poles and my tackle box and all that stuff. I still got it out in the garage. It's just that I just haven't bought a fishing license in years. And my dad's retired now and he's been spending more time fishing. And so I'm probably going to end up getting a fishing license for, for next year and, and doing more fishing with him and, and taking the boys out and getting them to do it too. Cause it is really fun to do. And, and as long as the river's not super low and dad's got his boat in the water, there's plenty of places where we can go and like really nail some big fucking catfish. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like you had, you grew up in an environment where like it was exposed to a lot and everything like aside from doing like the occasional boy scout or cub scout camp out stuff, you know, their weekend retreats or whatever over the course of the year. Like other than those, like we we weren't an outdoorsy family necessarily anyway. So like it was, that was the other thing, right? Like I wasn't exposed to it early enough to where it was like this is a regular thing, and like learned to just sit there and enjoy being, as opposed to doing something. And I mean ADHD, I'm sure does not help any of this. <laughs> yeah, it's probably hard to sit and and just sit and fish with no action with ADHD. I bet after a little bit, it's like fuck this, I'm out. Especially as a kid, yeah. <laughs> as a kid, I'm just gonna jump out and try to like catch them with my bare hands. <laughs> that's that's not a good idea. That's not gonna work. I'm sure I got told to sit the fuck down and <laughs> and shut up like in the boat more than once when I was a kid when I started getting antsy. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, That's yeah, the thing I, with fishing in a boat. It's like there's nowhere to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you've got this fucking like 18 square feet and that's it. <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah, no, that's, that's, no, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. And again, like more power to people who do enjoy it and do love and are passionate about it. More power to you. It's just not for me. I just yeah, like, the- I, I get what the appeal is. It's just not an appeal to me. <laughs> The the funnest thing was setting trot lines and ditty poles when I was a kid. Do you know what those are? Yeah, kind of. So, yeah, I mean, like, they're the ones that you just sit at the edge and they just have, like, the floaters on them and everything. That's a ditty pole, right? So a ditty pole is, it's just a, a pole. Like, the ones that, that we used that my grandpa had made, it had a piece of re-rod on the bottom. And then that was bolted to a longer piece of like one inch PVC plastic. And then on the end of the PVC plastic, there was like a, like a a short rubber bungee hanging off of it. And then attached to that rubber bungee, there was like a, like an eighth of an inch, like nylon cord that would go down and tie to like a really big ass fishing hook. Like the fishing hook itself would, I mean, probably be about an inch to like two inches tall. Like big ass fishing hook, big sharp barb on it. And so what you'd do is you'd take like a, a smaller pole or like a casting net or something like that. And you'd go out to a shallow water place and catch short little bluegills that are maybe about two inches long. And you'd take that bluegill and you just hook it right behind its dorsal fin, kind of right below its spine. And it'll, and then you drop it in the water and there's just enough string on this ditty pole to where that fish has only got 
about six inches of water and it'll just kind of swim around there like just attached to this hook in it it won't even really notice it's got a hook in it and then you set that at night and then you come back early the next morning and man there's sometimes you pull up and you see that pole just dipping and you're like oh my god because the really big fish will come out at night and the flat the flathead catfish those are the ones that are like the best eating and they don't eat shit on the bottom like a channel cat does channel cat those are the ones you'll catch with like stink bait, you know, like that gnarly fucking smelling shit in a jar that you glob onto like a, a rubber lure. Like it smells like fucking absolute death. Yeah, dude, yeah. catfish, that's fucking awesome. But if you get a flathead catfish or like a mud cat, those ones only eat live bait. And so they will come out at night and you have your best chance to catch those on like a ditty pole or a trot line is something where it's like a big long line of string that like every six feet it's got like a smaller foot long runner hanging off of it with one of those big hooks and then there's a brick on the end and so you tie the one line to the bank you let the boat float downstream as you bait up each one of those hooks and then you get into position and drop that brick in the water and then it'll just stay there and then the next morning you go out check them with the boat you go right up to the bank you fish the line out and you just kind of walk it back and dude you'd have to go out with like a big metal hook sometimes because you get a 40 pound flathead on that line and it suddenly gets very hard to hold on to or you get a fucking snapping turtle that's like a foot and a half in diameter and oh, those we've, things, caught a, we've caught a fair share of snapping turtles oh they're so yeah. mean <laughs> and let alone you catch one yeah. that's had a hook in its mouth for a few hours it is not thrilled to see you <laughs> no they are problematic <laughs> you know turtles hiss when they're mad yeah yeah, yeah that's a fucking scary sound to hear at six in the morning <laughs> when there's fog rolling off the fucking surface of the water well because even though you like you can tell it's right in front of you the hiss you're not expecting out of it unless you're like remembering that fact and you just like spin around real quick like is there a fucking gator <laughs> but just imagine that being a kid and you know you go out you, you i mean granted it's work to go and set all the lines it's work to go and catch all your bait but then that next morning you get up early and you go out in the boat and you might come back skunked or you might come back with like a shitload of really really big fish and that's super exciting and if we caught enough fish, then it, that meant that there was a fish fry coming up. And that was always good. <laughs> <laughs> just slice those fillets up into fairly thin pieces and just bread them with shake and bake and then fry them. And, you know, oh, fuck, it's so good. So good. Like, that, that is some really good fucking fish having it that way. Fry up little potato wedges with it, too. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Ah, it's it's good stuff. So I never, I never as a kid was ever at a fish fry. Like we didn't again. Like we were in you know south suburbs of Chicago. Like the we're we're on the other side of the lake or whatever. Like we're further away from the lake and everything. And the lake you don't want to fish. You don't want to be eating stuff you catch out of Lake Michigan anyway because of what all the mercury <laughs> and all. Oh my God! The last time that I did a fish fry out of the cabin, it was with a couple of my friends. I was in my early twenties. And and we were tripping on mushrooms out there, and we had caught this fucking giant catfish. Where there was this uh, this creek that we used to go to all the time. That it was instead of having like a proper bridge over it, it was just like three culverts, and mm-hmm. the culverts were set up high enough to where the water spilled down into the creek on the downstream side, and so it always pushed out just a little bit of a hole right there. And so we took a whole bunch of rocks. And we dammed up just downstream of it and like did this big like half circle of all these like limestone 
rocks and stuff that we found in the creek bed and we dammed it up to where that pool that was downstream of it all of a sudden the water wasn't spilling anymore it filled up so high that it was like level with the culverts and so now this three feet deep pool that was relatively small was like huge and in the middle it would go all the way up to your neck it was fucking incredible and uh and these kids had caught this big giant catfish like i think on on either a trot line or a diddy pole and they brought it out there and they threw it in that hole and so there's this catfish out there that's probably like 25 pounds has no business being in this fucking farm creek (laughs) (laughs) and so we were wanting to set lines or or do diddy poles out at the cabin and uh so we took my dad's casting net and we were out in this pool and we were trying to just catch you know bluegills and my buddy nick ended up fucking snagging that big giant catfish in the casting net and so <laughs> we took it out to the cabin and we cut it up dude the fillets on this thing they were probably about an inch and a half thick at the fattest part and we were just taking it and just keeping it on ice on a cutting board and just like cutting off strips of it, breading it and just throwing it in the fryer on the spot. It made the best fucking snack that night. And it lasted like <laughs> almost like <laughs> half the fucking evening. It was so cool. Oh, no, I imagine so. Again, like it was like I've been to fish fries in adult life, just never as a kid. It just wasn't the environment I grew up in. So again, like not outdoorsy people. I think a lot of it is just like because the job my dad worked and everything like, we didn't have tons of, like, we didn't do regular, like, weekend family outings, necessarily. So, it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah I, I think with us, it was probably just mostly because Dad, you know, owned that cabin. And so we were out there quite a bit. And, and my dad's always been very outdoorsy. Like, he goes out, and I know he for sure bow hunts deer every year. And he might, he might get a muzzleloader tag also. He's, he's never been a shotgun hunter for deer, but my dad's been an avid deer hunter for as long as I can remember. And, and he tried getting me into it, but I, I was pretty gung ho about it. I shot a deer when I was 11 and it ended up being a little bit traumatic (laughs) in, in retrospect. And so I wasn't so much into that, but I loved going out and shooting, um, like, uh, duck hunting used to be one of my favorite things. And so I used to go out hunting with him quite a bit, fishing with him a lot, uh, fishing with my grandpa also, uh, my dad's dad. He used to, because we used to have two boats on the dock. Dad's was always out there and grandpa's was always out there. And so, yeah, it was, that was just one of the things that, that I did a lot when I was a kid. And yeah, it was a pretty great way to grow up, really, thinking about it. Um, learned, yeah, no, learned how to be self-sufficient in the woods that way. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like, uh, my godfather, he, and again, not, like, to the point of fishing and hunting, but, like, they, for a large part growing up, they kept moving around all over the place, but they always, probably starting when I was, like, nine or ten or something like that, they had bought a boat. So, like, they always moved to somewhere where there was a lake and everything. Like, they've been in South Carolina now for a long time. But, like, you know, we always used to, whenever we would go visit them, we'd go out on the boat a couple times during the trip and whatnot and spend an afternoon out there. And that was always fun. I enjoyed stuff like that. But, like, yeah, the the sitting around, especially hunting for me, just sounds fucking miserable. <laughs> <laughs> well, it like, depends on the kind. That's the thing, right? Like, yeah, especially, like, if deer hunting or whatever, all of it, especially because in general – animal behavior in general even for things like duck hunting or fez and everything you usually have to go early as hell in the morning oh yeah you're you're walking out to the spot in the dark 
Yeah, which is or that no thank you. Like I mean I do that now for my job <laughs> and I'm killing other animals, I'm killing other life forms instead as part of my job. But like I don't know, it just always as a kid sounded especially cuz like a lot of that time period when like hunting's usually really good for a lot of that stuff is like in the spring or like the early spring or the late fall and like it's cold as well. Fuck that. <laughs> well, when dad goes bow hunting, that's like in the middle of like December, Wait, January, yeah. something like that. And yeah, so he's going out that. in sitting in a tree stand, you know, for like, like 20, nine hours. Yeah. 20 feet up in the air for several hours at a time, just sitting still, not moving. And so he's got, you know, really good cold weather gear that he wears. And he's and again, got, he's got several different tree stands that he uses. I don't know if he does it anymore, but he used to have a like a special scent free soap. I'd imagine he still uses all this. He used to have a special yeah, scent-free really. soap that he would wash himself, his hair. He had a he had a laundry detergent one that he would put all his clothes in, and then he had like special plastic bags that he would keep all of his hunting gear in, so it wouldn't pick up any of the smells of like the dogs or cats or you know domestic smells from just yeah. being in a, a human household. Foreign smells of any kind. He even had going to be plentiful of. He even had a bottle of like doe piss that he would put on the bottom of his boots so that when he was walking out in the woods it would scent more like a female deer instead of a man yeah fuck all of that <laughs> and again like one not only does all that sound like way too much work and miserable again especially for there to be a chance of you coming back at the end of the day without a dead animal dragged along Dude, with there's you. there's entire seasons where he doesn't fill a tag where, yeah, but, like but for him, like that's again from my brain. That's no, <laughs> not only that, but on top of it, like again, for the aforementioned ADHD, I'm gonna be sitting there for nine hours, even if I was capable of doing that. Going, why the hell is nothing coming? And meanwhile, because of the, my ADHD, the whole tree is shaking because I've just been tapping for eight hours. <laughs> It's like, I, why isn't it working? What? I remember, I remember my, my friend Nick in high school, same, same Nick that was out at the cabin on the fish fry night. Um, he was telling me one day he had a shotgun tag and I was hanging out with him. I was like, oh, what'd you do today? He's like, he's like, oh, I went out shotgun hunting earlier. I was like, well, that's good. Did you see anything? He's like, he's like, I don't know, dude. I, I got stoned and just fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, this is the first time I'd ever heard of that. I'm like, you have fucking stone. You were out and hunting and you had a gun on you. I was like, doesn't that kind of ruin, like, like, the, the, like, doesn't the scent of that, like, ruin all chances of getting, like, it just blew my mind that, like, he said it so casually. Even to this day, well, that's fucking I mean, funny to me. You know, it'll bell you out, but also could just make you fall the fuck asleep. <laughs> Well, I remember Sometimes one time my dad, that coin. my dad was telling me that when he was younger and he first started deer hunting. And he was on the, there's a bunch of public ground across the river from our cabin. And so he was over there hunting and he said he came across this old guy sitting on a bucket, reading a newspaper, gun across his lap. And he just put the paper down, looked over the top of it at my dad and went, deer aren't running this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine why. It's fucking classic. Good lord. <laughs> uh, like I said, like I, I respect people who are hardcore into that stuff. I just know it's not for me, never has been for me. I chose a different path and everything, but more power <laughs> to people finding it. Again, like finding hobbies that are not destructive to general society, you know? Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's early. where it is. It's like, you know, if... The majority of hunters that are out there 
are really good people and they're and they're out there doing something that is that is you know it's it's the most ethical way to 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 kill an animal for food in my opinion because well, if you're doing hunting the right like, way that that like deer, deer hunting have are you know overpopulated so you know they have oh, it's necessary seasons for things exactly right so it's like you're actually simultaneously fulfilling a service at the same time that is actually beneficial as opposed to fucking dipshits who go out on safari and fucking massacre a lion for no goddamn reason. Exactly. There's a huge difference between your just average, you know, hunter in America and somebody who goes out trophy hunting. Um, because really, I mean, think about it. If the deer population needs to be controlled, if you don't, they overpopulate, they get diseases they cause billions of dollars of damage every year in the auto insurance industry. Um, but the thing is, is that if a if a hunter does his job correctly, that deer doesn't even know that it got taken out. Like my dad also has told true. me stories where he's gotten like a perfect shot on a deer and it the arrow passes straight through it so quickly. And the broadhead is so sharp that that deer just kind of looks startled for a sec, looks around, takes a few steps and just drops dead. Now, tell me if that's a better death than a cow that was raised in a fucking slaughterhouse and, and died a very stressful death. It's like, no, that, that deer, what that hunter did was far more ethical than, than the other thing. Now, that being said, I totally get all my meat at the supermarket. It's <laughs> yeah. fucking easier. But yeah, that's I, thing, right? but I know that, that that's the reality of it, and it does weigh on me. But as saying earlier, there's nothing you can do about that, so you don't let it, so you don't let it weigh too heavily. Yeah, now, correct. Because could I, I live off deer? With... Yes. Do I want to live off deer? No. no. I like venison when it's been turned into fucking like deer sticks and deer jerky. When it's like ground venison or like a venison steak, I've tried it so many times, and I just don't like it. Like. My my dad will take venison and he'll make chili with it. And that's really the only way that I can eat that because there's so many other spices in it that it hides like the, the gaminess of, of mm. white-tailed deer meat. But there's something sure. about white-tailed deer meat that I don't like so much. If, if, if I could go out and eat pheasant almost every day, I would totally do that because I think that's better than chicken. Sure. And, you know, as you were saying, like, yeah, no, it is definitely a more humane way. Now, things like that don't necessarily – way things like that about like the the ethics of again like slaughterhouse versus that and the how fast it killed it i don't uh, that matters to me somewhat but not a ton necessarily i mean i probably i probably could do with being a little more socially conscious about things like that i mean i'm also not advocating selling your dog to you know a shady corporation to turn it into someone's burrito at taco bell or whatever right i'm not advocating <laughs> that or anything either. i thought taco bell was genuine kangaroo meat well whatever it depends on where it is what region <laughs> you're from i suppose <laughs> i suppose here in the midwest it's whatever the fuck we can get <laughs> dude i haven't had taco bell in years at this point oh my god i, I, I unfortunately have too much fast food in my life in general a part of it's my job and part of it is me and teed sometimes just get extremely lazy yeah no i feel that i i have like a cheeseburger obsession like oh, like i get like i could fuck up a sack full of cheeseburgers i i wouldn't be able to right. look at myself in the mirror afterwards but it, it'd be 20 minutes of bliss busy. while i was having my little cheeseburger mukbang going on. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> They go sit and cry in the garage that I'm always going to be fat. (laughs) Oh, no. That's therapy for you, crying (laughs) cheeseburgers. (laughs) 
at least you're not at least you're not going on to the you know 4chan or whatever and yeah. ranting and raving about big burger coming yeah, after at least you. i know birds are real Right. <laughs> it's much easier to uh, to believe that the government killed all the birds and they have 24 hour surveillance on everybody who lives outside all the time apparently <laughs> yeah i'll tell you what though like i have come to the There's realization the spy got us close your blinds <laughs> yeah no shit but number one that's just good sense if it's also, nighttime, yes, the government close your is blinds spying on us. but there's the thing the government is spying on us but not through fake birds no <laughs> it's called satellites and camera and traffic cameras and <laughs> metadata <shit>. <laughs> Yeah, it's called. It's also called your fucking social media that you decide to post any and everything in your life on. <laughs> yeah, true that. <laughs> That's the other thing. Like people who claim and you know rant and rave about conspiracy theories about intrusions of privacy by the government and everything are also the same idiots who spend so much time on social media and Facebook and you know web pages and forums and shit like that posting all the fucking time about shit and gonna talk about any and everything under the goddamn sun like which first of all if you're gonna do that have a podcast and put your actual name on it like you and i do <laughs> let people know who the fuck you actually are first of all instead of fucking hiding behind 18 different anonymous screen names that's like you know Dr. Badass Wolf 69, bro! <laughs> Whatever the hell. He's <laughs> like a dumbass dipshit name or whatever. Like, you know. But that's how they own the libs. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, like, they, they're the same people that are just, like, constantly on all these different social media sites constantly. And it's like, maybe that's how, like, if you're worried about them, don't be on that stuff. Like, go off the fucking grid. You know, like a real fucking lunatic. Yeah. <laughs> like a respectful, like a respectable lunatic does. <laughs> a lot of these people also are just like fake, you know, wannabe weekend warrior doomsday preppers, right? And it's like, they don't have anything actually that's like long term, right? Like, there was a whole show about doomsday preppers, like a reality show where they would like go to these people's like doomsday bunkers and like grade them on how actually prepared they would be. Yeah. My, my favorite is the people who, who, who cosplay up like they're in the military, the, the gravy seals like they, they they (laughs) fucking, yeah, (laughs) they, they really fucking crack me up because it's like, it's like, why are you collecting all those guns? Second amendment. Got to be able to have the right to fight against a tyrannical government. It's like, okay, how are you going to do against a drone strike? That's always been my point, like, too, dude, right? you have like, no fight. Are you, you're you going to engage exactly. in, like, a fucking guerrilla warfare fight when it's like, you're, you don't have fucking skills. You're pretending. You, you, I, you had enough asked. money and zero, and like, l- enough money and little enough sense to spend thousands of dollars on all this gear that, like it's it's funny. I've watched videos of like actual Navy SEALs and stuff like critiquing these videos, and they're like, "That guy's not even wearing that armor correctly." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like no, what are these exactly. people doing? It's so funny. It's like all you need to do is ask these people. Like, do you th- like? Okay, so you are a strong believer in the Second Amendment. Yeah, damn straight. It's like okay. Do you think you should be allowed to own a tank? Well, no. So then, what good are you gonna do against one? 
Yeah, it's it's. Do you funny. think you should have a rocket launcher? Do you think you should have access to that? Well, no, because everybody should have. Because if you can have access to it, everybody should be able to have access to a rocket launcher, right? They go, well, no, because we got to keep it in the the right hand. The you know the hands of the right people. You mean the military who are trained to use it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what good are you going to do against a tank or a guy with a rocket launcher when you have neither? Yeah, it's it's silly. Because These... guess what, your your rifle. Is not going to stop a rocket or a tank, and your body armor is going to protect you from neither as well. Yeah, these are the lunatics who are like vehemently praying for a civil war too, and it's like you're out of your fucking minds. You just get better community. Stop making yeah. this your identity. Find something positive. You know, yes, like exactly like, and I and for the record, I don't have anything against people who own guns. A no, lot of I do. I grew up like when I was old enough to shoot. I'm sure you own guns. Yeah, I own a lot of guns. Yeah, <laughs> it's like plenty of my friends are you know owners of firearms, and you know from pistols to hunting rifles. A couple of friends I know even have more than that. Have like. An AR-15 or whatever, and like I don't worry about them because they also believe in common sense gun laws and yeah. gun safety and gun education and uh, you know uh, better screening processes and background. Like again, all these sorts of things. They're responsible with it. A lot of these people aren't responsible with this stuff. No, and, well, like, and that's where the problem is. That if you're going to own guns and stuff, you need to have a good place to keep them locked up, and you need to keep them locked up. You people need to be responsible. For the guns that they own. And, you know, the way I grew up, like, my dad drilled that into my head from a very young age. Like, even if I was playing with a toy gun, like, I was expected to follow the rules of it. Like, I wasn't allowed to point a toy gun at somebody else. I wasn't – it was it was just things that I learned from a very, very young age. And I think lots of people in this country – their example of gun ownership and gun handling is the way that they're per- portrayed in pop culture, which is fucking terrible. Yeah, it's absolutely terrible. And even people who do, you know, practice at home proper gun safety and storage and this and that, it's like, but a lot of these people also, when they go out in public, in particular because everything is hyper politicized nowadays and everything is extremely hot button. The, the, you know, extreme examples that we're talking about, people to cosplay, again, the, the gravy seals, as they call them. I love that, that terminology, <laughs> by the way. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm stealing that. I'm using that from now on. The gravy seals. I love it. But There's like, another one people, that's funny, too, that's not coming to my head at this moment. I'll text it to you when I remember it eventually. All right. But like, <laughs> people like that, and unfortunately, like, a lot of these people, and some of them are, like, former military, like, you know, they're fucking proud boys and assholes like that and everything. And it's just, like, they... They like to proudly display this stuff, not as an expression of themselves, but as a way to hopefully stir the hornet's nest. And, like, I don't like that at all. I'm not saying most gun owners, but, like, the the extreme ones that we're kind of talking about and everything. They are people who have to – they're the same kinds of people who have to make everything about their stance on a current hot button issue. Like I was playing a I was playing Heroes of the Storm, it's a mobile like League of Legends, but it's all like Activision Blizzard stuff, so it's like World of Warcraft and Starcraft and characters from all that stuff. I was playing it and like you know, was in a ranked match and we were still drafting our teams and everything and picking our players and some and this one guy out of nowhere cuz the one of the people on our team was asking like who else should I ban? from being able to be picked 
And this guy goes, fucking ban Biden. It's just typing, typed out ban Biden, and then goes on like this tirade. And I'm like, do you have, and I just thought, does, do you have to make this game political for no reason? He's like, oh, I bet you you voted for him. I'm like, I bet you it's not pertinent to this game we're about to play. So maybe you should try focusing on this. <laughs> yeah, no of that. shit. <laughs> and it's just those kinds of people, right? It's those kinds of people who have to like make everything a thing that has no relevancy to it whatsoever. Like we're playing a video game about fictional characters. You literally picked the devil himself as your character for this match. Diablo <laughs> and you're talking about the presidential election <laughs> yeah what neither neither of these things are anywhere near relevant to each other in this context <laughs> it's just like, I just and it's people like that again like I feel like nowadays again a lot of these gravy sealed type people they want to go around parading it and make statements they want their them walking around because they have an open carry license, walking around with a semi-automatic rifle or however they've, you know, modded it or whatever as a statement rather than an expression of themselves. Like now, because like you said, these people hitch their entire identity upon these things. And this is no different than fanboys that get, you know, fucking raise a Mary Sue in the new Star Wars movies and, you know, <laughs> like all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, woke culture in Marvel and yada yada. And just like, like people hitch their identities to these things. And so there's two problems. One, any sort of change to it or criticism of it, whether valid or not, now to them it's a criticism or an attack on them personally. It's like, no, it's not. And this is a problem. There's people who cannot separate the thing they like from who they are. Like, I love the stuff that I love, but, you know, I said it a million times on air and off air on the podcast. Kaiju movies ain't for everybody. Like, I got no problem with a person <laughs> who doesn't like them. I'm, you know, sit a person down, be like, you know, never seen a Godzilla movie before. They didn't like it. Fair enough. <laughs> you've certainly made me watch ones that have questioned my life choices well but you volunteered you didn't say no <laughs> you volunteered <laughs> you didn't say no touche my friend <laughs> but also like you know if you were like if you said to me like I don't want to be on the podcast again I don't think the genre is for me I'd be like no I respect that that's fair man <laughs> Like, I'm not going to sit here and feel personally hurt. I'm like, no, I get it. We have, we're a niche market. We're a niche corner over here. If, if monster movies were widespread public appeal, they'd be a lot more popular than they are. <laughs> like, that's, they have, those two things have to go hand in hand. <laughs> oh, I love the way my brain works. The other one is Meal Team 6. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fucking clever. <laughs> oh my god. Are, th are these your ones you came up with yourself? No, 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 no. Yeah. This is the, the internet came up with these monikers, and I think they're fucking yeah. brilliant. Oh, they are. Gravy Seals and Meal Team 6. <laughs> or Y'all Kaida. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's really funny that, that those people that are so like vehemently like fucking America first, fuck yeah. 
are like the same ones that are like you don't realize that you're trying to institute like uh basically like a a, a Christian like tyrannical government it's like you don't see the the parallels in that you're you're America first you know like like fuck fuck the people in the because middle east cuz we've been in wars there for so long but it's like you're doing America. the same thing it's like i don't know it's fucking wild to me and, and and it's also like haven't haven't we don't we have enough history recorded history under our belts to know that like theocracies are a bad fucking idea i mean so there's multiple things here one a lot of times these people were a unfortunate side effect of a failure of our general nationwide education system. So that's point one. Point two is, again, I'll, I keep circling back to this stuff. The fact that these people lead unfulfilled lives. And so, you know, they, they have this very small perspective of what this country or this world, but specifically in this case, this country is. And, you know, especially in rural communities, that's a very small set. And to be fair, people in urban communities often have a, a uh, warped perspective as well. People who only live lived in big cities and have never been out to, like, the countryside and, you know, like, outside of suburbia or urban landscapes and haven't been into rural counties and known people who lived out there, right? It's so, like both sides of the table have this issue as well, by the way. The extremes on both sides have the same fault. No, you're, a, that's totally true because... Yeah, it's a, it's a fault of perspective, of a larger perspective and seeing the whole. And again, people who especially uh, fail, who didn't have a good proper education growing up, again, not their fault, usually. You know, the system failed them. And that warped perspective tends to lead to uh, unfulfilled lives. And so, again, these people have to grasp onto something because they've now kind of, they end up stringing and hanging their identities upon these things. And so as a result of it, it's, well, this is what America is, should be. This is what America is to me. It's like, yes, but that's just over there. There's all of this still that, again, a lack of exposure to, or had a bad experience in, so it tainted their view on outside their, you know, different things. And so as a result of it, it's just, no, this is what it should be, just this, and nothing else. Yeah. So as a result, and they don't have, again, things like the failing of their education system, you know, they don't understand, like, the Pledge of Allegiance when that was made, you know. <laughs> it wasn't that a response to, like, the communist scare, like, McCarthyism type shit? Yes, to them, like, it's always existed, like, as if it was something that was in the country, like, right after we won the Revolutionary War. It's like, no, it was like 200 years later, almost, that that happened, that this was introduced. And, like, all these sorts of things, right? Like, all these things that are, you know, pieces of, you know, solid, like, the foundations of Americana, like the Pledge of Allegiance and the Star-Spangled Banner and all this stuff, things that happened and were made over a century after this country was formed are just, they, again, a lack of an education system at the right time in their lives when they're younger to let people understand this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. People who are definitely dissatisfied in life are the ones that go up to a stranger and do like a Karen type move. Like, I don't think people who are happy and satisfied do that sort of shit. That no, they, because they people have to who live a life. Life. people who are happy in life 
want to spread that happiness. People who are miserable in life want to spread that misery. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and that, you know, if you live a life where you don't have any power and all of a sudden you're walking down the road and you see something in your worldview is wrong. And this is somebody that I view as somebody that I can point out and tell them that they're wrong. It's like, no, nah, you don't do that. If you're a happy I can't person. Stands no more. <laughs> it's just, it's just ridiculous fucking behavior. I'm bad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Like it's that kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it's the, the want to try to exert some sort of control over their lives because of a lack of fulfillment, a lack of perspective, a lack of uh, understanding your place in the grand scheme of things. And so that control, whether it's trying to Karen, a person walking their dog in the park, or it's going, becoming part of a fucking cult about, you know, thinking that Democrats are, trafficking children through a pizza shop in dc or whatever <laughs> new york or wherever the hell it was supposed to be or whatever like it's this trying to exert control trying to bring order into the chaos that you see around you which is just again it's a i mean it's a logical fallacy and it's a false dichotomy frankly like it's just it's foolish this yeah. you can't do anything about it just let it be control the things you can and don't worry about everything else out there. And don't worry about what other people are doing as long as they're not doing something egregious. But again, there's people who think that people who aren't doing terrible things are doing terrible things. Or they're focused at the wrong people in the same group doing the wrong terrible thing. When I was younger, I would – like if I saw a situation like that going on, especially like say I'm like in line somewhere and somebody is like berating the cashier – and I can see it in that cashier's eyes that it's like they're just taking it because they have to. Like, I, when I was younger, I would be that hero that would step up and be like, hey, why don't you eat a herpy dick, you old bag? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guy behind the counter can't say it. <laughs> I know he wants to say it. It, it. But then when I got older and I, I try to try to do no harm, but, <laughs> but I definitely... Would I would step right around my principle of, well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Where it's like, if this person's clearly a dick, let's throw some fucking gas on this fire. <laughs> let's stand up for the person that doesn't have a voice here. Right. I, would, I would elect myself as that mouthy hero when I was younger. But I think I've aged out of it. Because it's been well, quite some time since I've done it. There's a couple, and yeah, but like I have too. I'll probably, you know, sometimes I I would throw gasoline on the fire. Sometimes I actually try to defuse the situation. And like obviously, like there's a real situation. Like I'm still gonna like stand up for it. Like if I'm like at a bar or whatever with friends, and like some girl, whether I know her or not, is like being very clearly harassed or something, I will, you know, try to step in to either like maybe poses her boyfriend to get the people to fuck off or you know or just like hey leave the fucking lady alone or whatever if it's like a very if it's a serious situation i will still if if i feel like i'm gonna actually be able to be of any help i will still step in but things like that like yeah i mean i used to be more get involved with it but aging out of it is the appropriate thing and way of looking at it because like one especially like first of all you have a family, you have children, so, like, that's got to be your first priority, right? Like, not in, not drag yourself into a situation that you don't know these, you don't know this person. Well, so like, no, yeah. You could, you like, are they likely to be a threat to your well-being? Probably not, but you don't know, so, hey, maybe don't roll that dice on that. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. I remember one time I just missed out on one of those situations. I was, I was so upset that I wasn't there to witness it, but there was this um, uh, subway that I used to go to in this small town that it was part of my work route. And so every Monday and Wednesday I'd be eating there at some point in time in the day. And uh, I remember I walked in one time and they're like, Oh, you just missed it. It was wild. And I was like, what? And they were like, Oh, there was these, there was these two young girls that, that, and this is coming from, you know, the rural Iowa people that work in this subway that's described it. They're like, there was two lesbians at the table holding hands. And there was this older white lady here that couldn't take it. And she was berating them and telling them that they were going to go to hell. Wow. And I was like, and then what happened? Well, they just sat there and ignored her. And I was like, and did everybody else in the restaurant ignore her too? Or did somebody stand up and like shut up the Nazi? And like, nobody shut her up. Everybody just stood there eating their sandwiches in silence, listening to this lady berate this young couple because she couldn't wrap her fucking small mind around what, you know, what their definition of love is. And I remember just sitting there eating my sandwich and seething in anger, being like, I wish I had fucking Doc Brown's times. <laughs> Might have been in here and I'd have heard that shit. I'd have been like, you're going to be dead soon, you old bitch. And the world's going to be a better place. Fuck you. And then I'd happily go back to my steak, egg and cheese. <laughs> because oh, some man. that that lady acts like that because there's nobody in her life who tells her that fucking truth. But then also, yeah. then I sit and think about it longer and I'm like, Joe, you're not following your own rules. You're, 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 you're adding negativity to the world. You're throwing gasoline on the fire. You're not going to get across to this lady by saying mean, hateful things to her, though in the moment, it'll be very satisfying to do it. And, and I think that's where I've matured is, is now I'm old enough to where I'm like, Oh, I won't do that. I, I won't, I won't immediately make gasoline <laughs> my response to fire. <laughs> Well, and I mean, you know, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the like, you can't reason with people like that. There's no people like that. They are too committed in their belief. And again, hang their identity to these kinds of things a lot of the time, right? So as a result of it, again, you can't reason with them. So it's not like, it's not like, oh no, gasoline isn't the answer. The answer is to really call me, talk to like, that's not going to work anyway. So it is a thing of like, either, and I'm not against, Look, I don't I'm not gonna judge a person who goes up to a lady like that and says exactly that. Like, listen, you old bitch, you're gonna be dead soon, the world will be better off without you. Like, I'm not <laughs> I don't ju- I'm not gonna judge a person negatively for saying something like that to someone like that. But like it's not gonna like it's not gonna diffuse or it's only going to escalate the situation. And, and that's where it's at. It's only going to escalate the situation. And if anything, it's gonna push that lady further into her views. Because yeah. somebody of the opposite viewpoint did something mean and hurtful to her. And the entire time, she wouldn't have the presence of mind to realize that she was doing mean, hurtful things to people who were just trying to live their lives. But yeah, And exactly. also, those people didn't ask for some, like, fucking cisgendered white dude to step up and be their fucking hero. Like, they're just trying to eat their sandwiches. I mean, also true, you don't know the, how they feel about, yeah, someone intervening or whatever. But yeah, it really is a thing of, like, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to judge someone else for standing up and saying that to someone like that. But it's not going to be me at this point in time in my life. Again, like, ten years <laughs> ago, absolutely, I would have. But, like, because it's like I'm, I got enough of my own things going on. You know, uh, if I'm at a subway, it's the same reason you were would have been or just barely missed that. It's because it's on my work route. It's during my work day. And it's like I'm not going to sit here because, like, I'm in uniform so, like, now it becomes a corporate thing, even though it has nothing to do with my job, and I'm not here as, 
a professional. I'm here because I'm fucking hungry. I need to eat something, and I've got 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, true that. I I hadn't even considered that angle. It's like, oh but shit, like, it's, all these people know was, why I'm in this town every fucking <laughs> twice a week, every week. But even if I wasn't like in uniform or it was like not an obvious thing, like I'm sure your you know work is. I don't know if you were in just a personal car or a work truck or a company car or whatever. But like unmarked was, work truck, it was a fucking dream. That. <laughs> It was funny because every time it's not fair. It's every, not fair. Every time the the main place would send us signage, my boss would be like, "Conveniently lose that shit." I like not having signage on our trucks. Hell yeah! Hell <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, we're, "You got it, boss." <laughs> meanwhile, we're decked out with our white fucking Toyota Tacomas with our brand logo and phone number on no less than five places on that thing. Oh god! <laughs> well, I remember we took we took one of the work trucks. We had to go to Sam's Club one time to to pick up i think it was some some supply some supplies probably just for the shop or something like that but uh we were driving we had one marked work truck and one unmarked work truck and so of course we we're in the one that's marked and Ugh. and whoever we parked next to determined that we parked way too close and so they called the number on it and and complained and so we, when we got back to the warehouse like they were like laughing at us in the office and they're like, who'd you park too close to? This lady had to like climb in through the back of her van, she said. And I was like, oh, God. We're a bunch of nonsense. Again, like people looking to start some shit to try to exert some control on their <laughs> miserable, unhappy existence, right? That's but it's 100% like, what But like that even was. if I wasn't in uniform, it's like I still I'm, – I'm, I'm on the job still right now. So like I don't have time – to get myself to drag myself unnecessarily into some sort of social, you know, situation like this, right? Like I don't know how far that's going to necessarily go. Is it probably going to be anything more than her yelling back or whatever? No, but like I also don't need that on my day. I got enough going on, right? So like, I just 100%. don't. I unfortunately, as callous as it is, I don't have the time to stand up for something so not innocuous, but like something that I just I don't have the time to get involved in and like you said like for all i know if i if i did that and stood up for them they might be resentful of me standing up for them going <laughs> we don't need yeah like you said a cis white male to fucking be our white not i'm like i'm just trying to be decent that's all i'm sorry yeah and, and really the decent it, like, option probably was being just like <laughs> I, yeah. I suppose politely saying like ma'am you're being you're being quite rude <laughs> could you please Take your rudeness out of this fine establishment. I'm not being rude, these fucking dogs. Oh, I think you're being quite rude, madame. <laughs> you gotta I affect say, that character. I say, really? <laughs> I'm positively aghast at your behavior, madame. My monocle just fell out of my. <laughs> Oh, good heavens. <laughs> Let these these young ladies hold hands. What, what harm are they causing? <laughs> That's right. Oh, God. Eat, eat your subway club in peace, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting here trying to enjoy my wheat bottle marinara. <laughs> and suddenly this... Ruckus! <laughs> Ruckus! This, this uncouth woman! Fucking <laughs> <laughs> terrible. And at some point in there, you gotta like go full boss nest and just go. <laughs> <laughs> 
And by that point, everybody's so weirded out, they don't even know if they should be offended or not. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Did did this guy's accent change four times when he was talking to this lady? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Uh, Well, this has been a fun one, Dan. I'm pretending to be kept evolving as I was talking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been a fun one, dude. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) I know we plugged your show earlier, but where can people find you? Oh, good lord. Uh, podcast, Leftover Army Monsters, giant podcast, all out of tech. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes as part of the later Leftover Army podcast feed. I'm on Twitter at Mighty Megatron Zero. And people in Leftover Army, you can find me on the group page and so forth. And bless it. There we go. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all very much for listening. Until next time, this has been Starkcast.